Hey, my name is Lucas, and I want to welcome you to the official podcast of Coastline Young Adults from Coastline Church in Victoria. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you in your faith and helping you apply it to real life in real time. Here you'll find messages from our weekly service at Coastline Nights and other conversations where we talk and tackle what it means to be a follower of Jesus in today's culture. Everything you find here will point you to the truth and hope of Jesus. So grab a beverage, enjoy the message, and lean into how God wants to speak to you today. talk to us about how Elizabeth portrays how to dream biblically. Her life is very simple, and in fact, it might even be overlooked. We're going to look into like some good chunks of scripture about her story. But her story is so unique to be called heroic because it's surrounded by other heroes in the faith. Her husband was a guy named Zechariah, who was a famous priest in the temple, a big deal in the day. And then she is in the story wrapped up with Mary, a.k.a. Mother of Jesus. And her whole role is to bring forth John the Baptist. All of these powerful names, these memorable names. And then there's Elizabeth's story. So I just want to encourage you, if you're someone in the room tonight that feels like maybe you've been overlooked or maybe you have a dream on your heart that you think is too small or will it make a difference, tonight in Elizabeth's story, I want to encourage you that when we dream biblically, not just focusing culturally, we're aligning with something as powerful and as big as God's will and purpose. And that goes so far into humanity beyond just the individual. So you ready to go there with me tonight, looking at this simple life, simple life of Elizabeth, but we're talking about her dreams and how she aligned those with God's will, and then it changed the lives of some pretty historic figures. Sound good? All right, stick with me. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to read some hefty chunks of scripture. You came to church tonight. Sorry, got to read the Bible. Um, We're going to start in Luke chapter 1. This is the only one in the four Gospels that Elizabeth is even found in. And really, there's like eight verses about her. So it's so important for us to know the surrounding story of Elizabeth's life. We're going to go into Luke 1. There's green Bibles in front of you if you guys get really curious or bored of my face. Uh, Luke 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod our favorite guy, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. This simply meant she was a PK. Pastor's kid. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Just a small note. Just notice that there's no correlation there between righteousness and barrenness, um, in case that was a misconception of the time. Moving on. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. This is a big deal for good old Zech. Like, he served his life in priestly ministry, but he's won the religious lottery. He gets to go in before the whole congregation and light incense, was essentially praying for the nation while, like, the whole congregation watched. Very holy, big moment for Zech. Way to go. Everything's coming up, Zech. Keep going. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Zechariah saw him and was startled and gripped with fear. 
But the angel of the Lord said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. I'm going to skip ahead a bit here. We've heard a little bit about John the Baptist. This is all about his character and how they're to raise him. We're going to pick back up in 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my, my, my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak, burn, until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he's taking so long. And when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized he'd seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months she remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Thank you so much for listening to that chunk. It's so important to get the heart of this story. So we've learned a little bit more about Zechariah, and we see big, like, lots of focus on his life, and this small verse about a miracle happening to Elizabeth. I have five quick challenges that I want to pump at you when it comes to trying to align our hearts to dream more biblically than we are dreaming culturally. Because I know everyone in here has a dream, whatever that looks like, but our dreams are often promoted culturally. You know, dream house, dream spouse, dream vacation, our bucket list, these things that we want to hit off. Maybe even that you are only as successful as your dream. And yet here I want to challenge us that, you know, if we're truly going to say that Christianity is for us, if we're truly going to say that this is the word of God and we want to follow it, we have to align our dreams with the will we find in here. So my first challenge for you is challenge how you deal with fear. When it comes to dreaming, fear will affect our vision, our perseverance, and our obedience. Fear affects our vision because it changes how we dream. It limits us or makes us doubt or worry. We often set the bar lower for ourselves or we take ourselves out of the running entirely that a dream could come true. Fear affects our perseverance because it doubts the reality of the long game. Fear assumes that there's like this time between our dreaming our dream and seeing this dream coming to reality. And the longer that that time goes by, the less likely that that's going to happen to us. Totally takes out the long vision and the long suffering of God. Fear also affects our obedience because ultimately it doubts God's intended purpose of the dream. So to dream biblically, we have to challenge how we deal with fear. And we will fear. It's our human nature. It's why the enemy has a field day with us. We are so much easier to trick or trip up or get focused on our own worries when we are fearful than when we are faithful. If you notice in Zechariah's story... It says he was gripped with fear when the angel met him. In another translation, it says fear took possession of him. But you notice that didn't stop the angel from speaking anyway. The angel wasn't concerned that Zechariah was afraid. The only time that Zechariah experienced his challenge, his discipline, was when he chose to side with fear over the will of God that he heard in his life. How you deal with your fear will affect your ability to dream biblically. Because fear or not, or obedience or not, 
as it says in the word, these words will come true at their proper time. God is good on his word, regardless of the response to it. We see all this pomp and circumstance for Zechariah, and then Elizabeth simply, it's announced that she conceives. Elizabeth believed and became pregnant. So it's up to you which side of that purpose you're going to be on when you're faced with fear or you're faced with faith. Learn how to deal with your fear. Challenge number two, pray beyond cultural expectations. I can't speak to Elizabeth and Zechariah's story because we don't get much about it, but what I do know is there's two responses. Yes and no, miraculous yes, and realism. Here's what blows my mind about Zech. Good old Zech, I'm just gonna call him that. He is a male going to a place of worship. He is a religious leader. He is pious and holy in his community. He meets an angel, and this angel gives him a miracle, and he still says no. Like everything is going for this guy to receive something from the Lord, and he doesn't. And I honestly feel that's because Zechariah was caught up more with doing the right thing culturally than the right thing biblically. When the angel said, you know, God has heard your prayer, Zechariah is thinking all of the like cultural pressure stuff. He's like, there's a room of people out there waiting for me to finish with this incense and I'm praying for the whole nation right now. (laughs) He's pretty sure the angel is saying like, you are holy and you are like, all of your prayers for the nation are becoming true. He's totally forgotten in all the fanfare and doing what is right that he has a prayer on his heart to become a father. Him and Elizabeth have walked a long journey of barrenness that he might ever have a son or an heir or a family. Some of our dreams are more fueled by culture than we'd like to admit. Even Elizabeth felt this culturally. She said that she stood out. In her own words, she was disgraced by her community. Her time was up, but just culturally, not biblically. Our culture would promote that dreams are the idols to chase, but we chase God's purpose for our dreams. That is a challenge for you. Through Elizabeth's story, we have permission to pray beyond timelines, whether that's physical or social or that expectation you had for when it would be done or your mom had for when it would be done. And we also have the permission to pray beyond titles. You know, any sort of place you think you would be in your life. God consistently chooses the weak to shame the strong, the outcast to contrast the inner circle, and the least likely to elevate his purposes that none may boast. Your life, no matter its simplicity, has such a potential in God's purpose. Pray beyond cultural expectations. You still with me? Number three, we're cruising on. Your dream doesn't have to be on display. It's not just our social media culture that feels like we have to have a highlight reel going for our lives. We know that Elizabeth had this feeling too because of that kind of joiner verse before we get more into scripture where she mentions that um, she was seen by her culture, by her people, and she felt disgraced. I was so curious that Elizabeth chooses to seclude herself because that might not seem like the most like trusting reaction. Why did she choose to do that? Why did she choose to be in seclusion for five months? Thinking about it, we could think maybe Elizabeth um, had fear. There was fear of loss. I don't know how many of us have had dreams dashed before or you've tried out for something um, or tried to make a way and it just seems to be barrier after barrier. 
I don't know Elizabeth and Zechariah's story, if there was multiple losses in their lives, if they tried multiple times for children, or maybe every time her period came up per month, it was just another reminder for her that it wasn't, this, this promise isn't for you. Or maybe she had a fear of how people talk. And boy, do they talk. Let me tell you, ladies in the room, when you become pregnant, it is open season for comments about your body and weird people you don't even know touching your stomach and being like, when are you due? I'm like, please get away from me. I'm just trying to buy my cereal in aisle seven. It's so awkward and strange. So Elizabeth, you want to seclude yourself? You want to grow on your own time? You want to put on your stretchy Kirkland Costco pants? You go, girl. But I don't think that she was doing that. I don't think that she had a fear of how people talk, even though I'm sure in her day, a highly religious culture, they probably came with a lot of, lot of church lady chatter. All that we get from Elizabeth in her response is gratitude. The Lord has favor on me. And we see this character continue in her life. She doesn't need to have it on display. And in fact, I think she was reveling in every moment of her dream without needing to show it to other people. Like Sam, when we were first pregnant with Mary, it was like the coolest thing to like take photos of my belly every day. And we had like a nursery set up in like month two. And we were always like checking this like silly app that tells you what random vegetable the size of your fetus is. And we're like, oh, is it going to be a grape or a avocado this week? Like it was just so exciting. You wanted to revel in every moment. And I think there's this level of like reveling in the tiny things that we miss when we're more focused on how other people are perceiving us. Your dream doesn't have to be on display for it to be fully seen and known by God. And there's no amount of like seenness that can add to the creator of who you are and the creator of the universe knowing your dream. It doesn't have to be on display. We're gonna head into part two. I'm gonna read a couple more verses of scripture before I land my final points. We're going into Luke again. We're starting in verses 39 to 45. So in this middle chunk that I'm kind of skipping over, that's when Mary is visited by the angel and is promised that she will conceive through the Holy Spirit and it will be a miracle. And she's like, what? But okay. Um, verse 39. Um, she was commanded by the angel to go and visit Elizabeth. So at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed um, that what the Lord said to her will be accomplished. My fourth point for you in challenging you to dream more biblically than you are challenged to dream culturally is to not discount the power of the Holy Spirit. It seems to go without saying, but this story highlights the intricacy with which God weaves his purpose into our lives and the lives of those around him. And it's almost like our compounding yeses to obedience, our compounding aligning to like keep in step with the spirit truly keeps us involved in these lives and encouraging others as we go. These two women simply just received. You know, in those, in those days to hear from the Lord, it did require this certain title or this pomp and circumstance, like I said, this inner circle life. And here we have two women who said yes 
to the Lord, to the Holy Spirit, without any familiarity of listening to his voice. Mary was a teenager. Elizabeth was an elder. Both women, both overshadowed by men, both disgraced by society, one for being barren and one who would be a virgin but conceiving. But they were both chosen and responded by saying yes to the power of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't discriminate in his choices to move forward with his purpose. His spirit is able to reveal himself to anyone, which is even further shown that like in utero, a baby could be filled with the Holy Spirit and fill his mother with the Holy Spirit. At this point in Elizabeth's story, we are seeing that these compounding yeses to what the spirit is doing in her life is actually keeping God's purpose the main thing. You know, we scrap and we scrape and we try and go after our dreams on our own and our own merit. And then it feels like our own failure, you know, when they don't work out. But when we're saying yes to the, to the Holy Spirit, when we're obeying the Holy Spirit, we have to know that every twist and turn in the road, every up and down, every like win and every L is actually there for a purpose because we are keeping the story that is at work within the Spirit the main thing, not just our story. Finally, my final point for you, God's purpose always multiplies belief. And that is a challenge to dream biblically, not just culturally, which kind of focuses more on like self-actualization and you finally getting yours. But instead, this last challenge reminds you that there's an ability to multiply faith within your story. The beauty of seeing your dream fulfilled biblically is that it is for so much more than you in your life. We see this first between Mary and Elizabeth in this encounter. It's so interesting to me that they never would have exchanged this awareness of the fact that they were both carrying a child. Elizabeth had been in seclusion and just gets a knock from Mary who walks in and is like, okay. Like she would have looked like this. She's six months pregnant. Like that's not a hideable thing, no matter the moo-moo. And Mary, who had told nobody, it simply says she ran after this moment of an encounter with the angel, would have walked into Elizabeth's house. And Elizabeth, in response to the Holy Spirit, says, I know you are carrying a child. And it is not just any child. It is Jesus Christ. It is our Lord. That is an intersection of obedience that only the Holy Spirit can line up. Do you know how much that would multiply the faith of Elizabeth? who's been on her own and just doing her thing and then a family member comes to her and is like, I had this crazy thing happen to me. The Holy Spirit came and told me that I would conceive. And Elizabeth is like, what? Me too. Like talk about relatability. This isn't just over the Netflix show that they're watching right now. This is like a huge bonding moment that could multiply the faith that Elizabeth has in her purpose and her story, as well as Mary. Could you imagine if she had stayed at home and just doubted whether what was gonna happen was gonna happen? Or if she just succumbed into like disgrace and shame and her community was around her judging her. Instead, her faith was encouraged by Elizabeth's story and response to the Holy Spirit. Keys, you can come on up if you want. I'm, I'm coming in for a landing, I promise. I'm gonna read us our final verses for the night as I wrap up another way that Elizabeth's simple life multiplied the belief of those around her. We're gonna pick up in verse 57. It was time for Elizabeth to have her baby. She gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. And they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who has that name. Like kind of like, we don't do that. And how classic that they're like, 
oh, honey, no, why don't we go ask your silent and deaf husband over here what we should actually do because you don't know what you're talking about. And, but to their astonishment, um, he made si- they made signs to the father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And immediately, Zechariah's mouth was open, and his tongue was loosed, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all of these things. Elizabeth's obedience to the will of God changed the faith, not just of Mary, who they had this like unique mother bond, but to even her very own husband, who daily had been living his own journey and dealing with his own story. In a moment, in nine months actually, of seeing Elizabeth's faithful obedience to the promise of God, he was able to believe again and was healed. And the community around her, in one moment, would have seen so many miracles take place. One, they hadn't seen Elizabeth yet. They'd seen her conceive and carry a child to full term the birth of a prophet, and the healing of a religious leader, all because of Elizabeth's simple yeses, simple heroic belief that she was a part of God's plan and that she would say yes. Elizabeth might have all of these significant lives revolving around her, but all of these people were actually touched by her faith to go and live their story. If you feel overlooked, if you feel like your dream might be too small or it's not gonna be understood or it culturally doesn't line up or there's a timeline that other people are doing this on and I'm not doing it, don't discount it. Line up with like, line up with the word. Go after what God would say for your dream or what he said to you through the Holy Spirit. You can't discount what he is saying to you because if you do, if you lean into that fear, if you lean into that human nature to believe that it's not your time culturally, the Holy Spirit couldn't possibly have told me to that thing 15 years ago and still mean it. You could miss out on not just the purpose of God being operated in your life and giving you a faithful encouragement, but also on affecting the lives of all of those around you who are meant to see your story live out, who are meant to see you operate on purpose and believe in a God that could only do the miracles that we saw out of Elizabeth's story and out of her life. I was reading in preparation for this sermon and a commentator wrote in his book, his name is Daryl Bach, if God exists, then the goal of life must be related to his purpose for us. I don't read that in like a 10 steps to success book. (laughs) I don't see that displayed daily on Instagram. No kid is taught that when they're asked what they wanna be when they grow up. We need to start putting that actually at the forefront of our mind. If I have dreams in my heart, it must be because I have a God who cares deeply about me and has a purpose so intricate and woven in this life. I wanna be a part of it and discover how it changes others around me. There can be a heroic nature to your simple life and to simply listening and obeying. There's a purpose to your dreams and a meaning to your life that goes beyond status or cultural approval. More than just attaining the dream job or the dream house or spouse, The true dream of your life is discovering God's purpose for you in his great, great story and watching that purpose come to mean life change for those around you. Can I pray for you tonight, Coastline? Let's bow our heads. Father God, we just thank you for the opportunity, the true opportunity that it is to be part of your story. Each life in here is not missed by you. Each life in here is not overseen. 
And though we have many stories represented in this room and many different levels of exposure or platform or seenness, I know that there is a heart that you have created in each person to listen to the still small voice of your spirit. Would your spirit just be so welcomed in this room tonight? Would ears be open? Would hearts be open in hearing how you have a plan to align their dreams with your great purpose? That there's nothing too silly or too small or too simple that they could dream or hope for or think of in the future that you don't want to be a part of, that you don't want to say, hey, if you just give this to me, I'm going to multiply this. I'm going to expand on this beyond just your dream and your life. I have a plan for those people around you. Would there be faith multiplied because of this room tonight, this specific room with this specific number of people in it? You know the numbers and you know the numbers of lives that these people can, can intersect with in their obedience to your will. So yeah, this week I'm just praying specifically that um, opportunities would be made to hear your voice, opportunities would be made to respond to your voice. You always are willing to invite your children into what you're doing. You're such a good father. And we just praise you for that, Lord. We thank you for this night and this opportunity to focus on you and to put our dreams before your feet. We love you and we trust you. In Lord's name, amen. 